What happens when a secretary steals 40 grand in cash from her boss, skips town, and stays at an off-the-beaten-path motel for the night? Well, since she stayed at the Bates Motel, she's murdered in the shower by what appears to be a psychotic, overbearing mother. But as the story progresses, we learn that all is not well at the Bates Motel, and the horror genre as we know it was never the same again. Alfred Hitchcock has had many films considered to be masterpieces, but only one has terrified audiences for nearly 60 years and helped lay the basis for the modern-day slasher film. Time to hop out of the shower, listeners, because it's time for Psycho today on Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, horror fans. We're back with episode 26, a look back on the enduring legacy of Hitchcock's game-changer 1960s Psycho, as well as its three sequels, one remake, and one prequel series. But first, introductions, if this is your first time tuning in. I'm Connor Zagari, caretaker of the Bates Motel by day, transvestite serial killer by night. (laughs) And joining me as always is Austin Johnson, the constant voice in my head telling me to kill anybody who might make me disappoint mother. (laughs) Oh, yeah. At your service, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, drifted away there for a second. Anywho, we hope you liked last week's Weird Shit Wednesday edition of Filmgasm, where we rambled on about the Coen brothers and all of their unique films. Coming up on our next Weird Shit Wednesday, episode 30, is a horse of a different color, particularly green and purple. We're talking about the Joker, Batman's greatest nemesis portrayed on screen by many different men who all brought something different to the role. We'll be diving into the legacy of the Joker and how the comic book villain's casting has been so controversial in the past compared to other villains like the Penguin, Scarecrow, Bane, just to name a few. Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and soon Joaquin Phoenix, the men who've played the clown prince of crime on the big screen. But we'll also talk animated portrayals, notably Mark Hamill and a few others. Don't miss it. It's going to be a gas. But first, it's time for the Rewind we take a look back at past episodes and see if there's any updates worth talking about. And today there certainly is. Our rewind today takes us back to last week's Coen Brothers extravaganza, particularly to True Grit. I forgot to mention a pretty cool personal story related to the filming of that one. They filmed part of True Grit about 20 minutes away from my family's house in Blanco, Texas, the town that Caleb and I went to high school in. It's about a year before I moved there, but Caleb saw the Coens driving around town and the Blanco County Courthouse is in the movie in the scene where Rooster is deposed in court. I voted in that room. Had my prom across the street. Yeah, man. Yeah, I grew up up in a town called Bulverde, not too far from Blanco, so... (laughs) Fucking weird, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was really excited when he told me he was going to say that here on the the episode, because last week was so much fun, but that's that's something that's amazing, you know, a personal connection there. Yeah, so neat. I wish I'd been there for that. That would have been amazing. Really cool. Well, Blanco, Texas. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't blink or you'll miss it. Go Panthers. Let's get into Psycho. Released in 1960 by famous director Alfred Hitchcock, notably referred to as the Master of Suspense. Prior to this film, some of his recent hits included 1958's Vertigo and 1958's North by Northwest, both considered absolute classics. In the same year. Uh, Yeah. You don't see that anymore, do you? (laughs) And just after Psycho, he released 1963's The Birds. Talk about a string of fucking hits. Yeah, and those those are the four <laughs> movies I've seen that he's done. Uh, I actually don't think I've seen any others, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pinnacle of his success right there. It's oh, my just, God. He was killing it. He could have made just those movies, and he would have yeah. been the most 
You know, yeah. he's he still be as renowned as he is today, but he's done so much more. Of the other than Psycho, the ones I've seen, I've seen The Birds. Yeah, Rear Window. I've not seen that amazing film. I've heard. I've heard all of them. <laughs> One of the most intense like viewing experiences I've had in a long time. Dial M for Murder, another fantastic. I haven't seen that either. Yeah, and Strangers on a Train, which fucking blew my mind. That was such a brilliant idea. And so you haven't seen the Fifty Eight ones. I've not seen Vertigo or North by Northwest. Okay. They've been on my list. For so we years. both have a little work to do. Yes, I like that. But we. <laughs> oh, Combined, we, we cover yeah. uh, cover a little bit there. That's good. Yeah. When we do the Hitchcock podcast in the future, we're going to watch everything. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. coming at some point, <laughs> for sure. Of course. Yeah. I would say Hitchcock did more for the horror genre than any filmmaker in history. 100%. And that's... We're saying that, admittedly, that we haven't seen a lot of his work, and, you know, but we also understand that how important he is for the genre. Uh, some of this stuff is not easy to access. <laughs> no, no. You know, it's old, so... Uh, but. Yeah, he, he's he's one of those guys, as we both get older and we uh, get more seasoned in the genre, yeah. we're going to tackle all of his films. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I'd say Psycho is his big one, but, I mean, you could say that about so many of his films. Yeah, and Psycho is so different. You know, we'll get into it, but yeah. he just didn't spend any money on it, and it made so much, and it's just, yeah, it's amazing. Psycho has had such an enduring legacy, they made a movie about the making of that movie. Yeah. 2012's Hitchcock, Yeah, starring Anthony Hopkins as Alfred Hitchcock. And Helen Mirren as his wife, Alma Revel, who also assisted in writing a number of his films and editing them. And that movie's very interesting because it shows just the amount of faith and money Hitchcock poured into this movie. Yeah. It was unlike anything he'd ever done. It was unlike anything anybody had ever done. Yeah. And he believed in it. Uh, oh, yeah. He put his neck out for, yeah, for yeah. the story. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, regrettably, Hitchcock never won an Oscar in his life. Though he was nominated for director five times. For 1940's Rebecca, 1944's Lifeboat, 1945's Spellbound, 1954's Rear Window, and for 1960's Psycho. He did win the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award in 1968, sort of Lifetime Achievement Award. He died in 1980 at age 80 of kidney failure. Won't go too much into Hitchcock's life or career as they're both worthy of a full episode, and that will happen. For sure, for sure. Psycho is based on a 1959 novel by Robert Block, which was loosely based on the crimes and murders of Wisconsin killer Ed Gein, which I talked about in the Silence of the Lambs episode. Gein's heinous crimes were the inspiration for Norman Bates in Psycho, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, and Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw. <sighs> oh boy. Wow. Talk about a <laughs> fucked up human being to inspire that much evil. Uh, came out of that mind? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, unbelievable. <laughs> I talked uh, a bit about Ed Gein in the Lambs episode, so check that out if you want to know more. Or you sh- uh, you could check out where I learned about Ed Gein, the podcast Time Suck with Dan Cummins. Fantastic show. My favorite podcast. Does a great episode on the life and crimes of Ed Gein. Yes. Very nice. And just, phew, what a twisted son of a bitch. More of a sad sack than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Almost depressed, it seems. Yeah. I wouldn't label him a serial killer. I'd label him just disturbed. D- yeah. 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 Exactly. But, you know... Wow. When Hitchcock acquired... The life of the mind. Yeah, the life of the mind. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Little Carl Munt for you. (laughs) When Hitchcock acquired the rights to the novel, he ordered his assistant to buy up as many copies of the novel as she could find so Hitchcock could preserve the shock ending, which was very important to him. He went to great lengths to make sure people were surprised by this movie. Crazy. (laughs) And Hitchcock believed in this project so much he financed it out of pocket after Paramount rejected his initial proposal, and that was unheard of. And he waived his director's fee in favor of a 60% stake in the film's negative, which... 
<laughs> Man. He made it back. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. I, for for it being 1960, this movie made like $50 million, right? It's like... Roughly, that's, yeah. It's a huge deal, man. It was yeah. a hugely profitable film. He ended up filming the whole movie on the soundstage of his popular TV show, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which ran from 1955 to 1962 and had seven seasons. Paramount, whose contract guaranteed another film by Hitchcock, didn't want Psycho. Hitchcock went to them and, was, and said, I got an idea for a new movie. Pitched yeah. Psycho, and they were like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're going to make a movie about a transvestite serial killer. Are you insane? <laughs> oh, oh, boy. They wanted this movie uh, with Audrey Hepburn called No Bail for the Judge, which never ended up being made. Hepburn became pregnant, had to bow out, and Hitchcock just decided to scrap it. Man, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Paramount thought the book was too repulsive and impossible to film. But Hitchcock did not believe in impossible. Yeah, because apparently the, that first death is uh, just a beheading in the book. I've never read, never read it, but... I haven't either, yeah, but... Uh, apparently it's way, yeah, way more yeah. intense, uh, those, those deaths, so... Yeah, he, amazingly, he had to tame it. <laughs> he had to tame it, and the black and white makes it way less gory, uh, because you're not seeing that red. But as we saw later, when they did a color version remake... The black and white makes it so much creepier. Exactly. The the undertone of Psycho's the whole movie for me is that you're constantly constantly on your toes and kind of creeped out. It feels like a, someone's scratching a chalkboard the whole movie. Yeah. You know, and you're always just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> and part of that is, yeah, the black and white. It's hard to, like, distinguish things and you don't know exactly what's going on at times. Oh, it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. <clears throat> Hitchcock ended up shooting at Universal Studios... And the original Bates Motel and Bates House set are still standing, and they've become part of the studio tour, mm -hmm. which is amazing. I would love to go see Very that. Very cool. Uh, he ended up choosing to film in black and white to keep the budget under $1 million. And this also kept the shower scene from appearing too gory, yeah. which helped him with the rating. The film ended up grossing $32 million on a roughly $800,000 budget. Unbelievable. Becoming man. Hitchcock's most successful film. And this is the one no studio exec believed in. Oh, it's God. amazing. That's insane. As if Hitchcock needed another reason to like, you know, to add to his infamy, his mythology. Like prove his worth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'd already done Vertigo, North by Northwest, yeah. Lifeboat, Rebecca, Strangers on a Train, Dial in for Murder. And then he goes and like, I want to make this. He's and going into his third decade of yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. And everybody's like, no, you can't do this. And he's like, I'm Alfred Hitchcock. I yeah. will do whatever I, I want. definitely do this, yeah. And he fucking showed them. <laughs> it's amazing. Psycho was made shortly after the end of the Hayes Code. And the Hayes Code, whew, a ridiculous set of moralistic rules that movies made in Hollywood were forced to follow from 1930 to 1968. This included, and th this is all true, this is all stuff that was not allowed to appear in mainstream cinema for 38 years. <laughs> no profanity, no sexual relationships outside of marriage, no homosexual characters or innuendo, no interracial couples, all criminal action had to be punished, all authority figures had to be obeyed, and no church members could be viewed comically or as villains. It was pure churchy bullshit that ruled Hollywood for decades. Why do you think we like the 70s so much? Yeah. Because <laughs> people were free and they could finally do whatever they wanted. Yeah, because they're not forcing you to believe what they want you to believe. Yeah. Fuckers. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, you look at any film, like any popular, successful film during that era, and it's so tame. It's, it's, a lot of them are great, but a lot of them are so held and, back. And, yeah, stay within this little circle. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. 
It's ridiculous. Putting I, putting it in people's mind that this is how this yeah. is how it goes. We uh, um so fucked up. I learned about the Hayes Code in my uh, one of the film classes I took in college, and the movie that my teacher used to show us this is the Maltese Falcon. And that movie is loaded with so many undertones that you only catch if you're really paying attention. Okay. Because they had to pass it by the, the Hayes Code. Yeah. Like, Peter Lorre's character in that is very clearly in a homosexual relationship with Sidney Greenstreet. Wow. But you don't notice that unless you are really, really paying attention. Because they could not come out and say that. Yeah. Little yeah. things, like the way he, uh, one of the female characters refers to Peter Lorre's cologne. Gardenia. Like, the mm. way she looks at... Bogey is like, something's up with I this see, guy. I see, I see. Little things like that, and it's brilliant. They're, That's amazing. They're really Hell brilliant yeah. filmmakers. I need to see that. Yeah. It's so cool. I need to see that. They could slip things by the Hayes Code, and that, I love looking for that. Fuck the Hayes Code. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the Hayes Code is not, not a good thing. Not no. a good thing. Not a good part of American history. Anything that suppresses creativity and art is fucking barbaric. Oh yeah, and tries to control the mind. Yeah. And how we're supposed to think about how we're supposed to act. Ah, that's crazy. Horrible. Crazy talk. The Hays Code ended gradually in the 60s after films like Some Like It Hot were not granted approval, but still were a huge success at the box office anyway, proving that the code really didn't have any authority. Okay, if you just said, fuck you, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, which I wish more people had done. And then, But then that, that brings in this, the yeah. roaring 70s that just oh, yeah. <laughs> destroyed, and they're like, all right, here we are. <laughs> they went so far because now they could. Yes. I mean, look at a film like Wes Craven's Last House on the Left. <laughs> That is a. If anything, that film is a fuck you to the Hayes Code. Yeah, just what we did in a, space. Just what we did a couple episodes ago. Of Jaws is like, yeah. Here's a family movie <laughs> with death. <laughs> you know what's uh, funny? Psycho has had its rating changed like five times. Yeah, I read that. But they've never touched Jaws. Yeah, it's <laughs> so interesting. Movie from 1960. Yeah, I don't know. 1975. It's weird. <laughs> Fun fact about the shower scene: it did not, in fact, feature a new Janet Lee as this would have been way too scandalous for 1960. For sure. And would have condemned the film right at the gate. Instead, Hitchcock used camera tricks to make the audience think she was naked. Hitchcock himself said when interviewed in 1964, quote, As you know, you could not take the camera and just show a nude woman. It had to be done impressionistically. So it was done with little pieces of film, the head, the feet, the hand, etc. In that scene, there were 78 pieces of film in about 45 seconds. Let's go. That is dedication. That is impressive. That's my guy. That's the kind of shit I like. Oh, yeah. That scene is so fucking terrifying. It's iconic and (laughs) freaky to this day. And then just when you see the drain, the water going down the drain, and then the the blood pouring, and it's all black and white. Oh, I, (laughs) I hate that. And then... Woo. Like I said, it's like the chalkboard sensation of just, oh, get me out of here as soon as you can. But it keeps going, keeps going. Perfect. Reels you in, and then you're stuck. From that moment on, you're stuck in this movie. Oh. <laughs> stuck. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Psycho stars Oscar nominee Janet Lee as Marion Crane. Oh, yeah. A secretary who decides to skip town with $40,000 of her boss's money. Lee was nominated for one Oscar in her career, and it was for Psycho. Yes. Rightly so. She's actually the mother of another famous Scream Queen, Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. star of Halloween and The Fog, among others. Keep it in the family, keep it in horror. Yeah. <laughs> Her father's Tony Curtis, another famous actor. Yeah. The two, uh, Jamie Lee and Janet Lee, actually appeared together in The Fog, for uh, which is kind of cool. That is That's amazing. one I've never I love, seen. love stuff like that, same. I, there's there's yeah. stuff, you know, we're young, we, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. 
Janet Lee died in 2004 at age 77 of vasculitis. She seemed like a lovely lady. I got to watch a documentary today about the making of Psycho, and she seemed like a real lovely lady to be working with and totally appreciated every moment she had with Hitch, with Hitchcock, <laughs> so that's really cool. In that Hitchcock movie with Anthony Hopkins, I think she's played by Scarlett Johansson, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. That's great. Love the casting in that. <laughs> Oscar nominee Anthony Perkins portrays the now iconic movie monster Norman Bates. Give that man all the Oscars for this role. <laughs> oh my god. He's a seemingly charming, if not awkward, young man who is hiding a very dark secret. Perkins was nominated for his role in 1956's Friendly Persuasion. He became typecast after Psycho, and he played Norman three more times in 1983's Psycho 2, 1986's Psycho 3, and 1990's Psycho 4, The Beginning. He died in 1992 at age 60 of complications due to AIDS. Perkins was a closeted homosexual, and he had been fighting that his whole life. Uh, fascinating, he, role. Yeah. fascinating role. Fascinating role for him to human take being. on. Yeah. You could tell that he was, you know, this was personal to him. Yes, very much. This performance is fucking legendary. Yeah. He, uh, no one, no one else can, can do this, and it obviously very much shows in the 98 remake. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's just a, it's one of those it's one of those kind of written for him you know. And I don't know if anybody else can do it. I just know that the guy from Swingers can't do it. Oh gee, or yeah, that that guy, the guy from old school, the earmuffs guy. Yeah, come on. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I just want to praise Tony Tony Perkins. He's just he's he's unbelievable. And that I, I would love to talk about his uh, you know his first scene when <laughs> it's so legendary when you first see this character, this gangly guy. And it's, the black and white is so big for his character and watching him and his facial expressions, I think. Um, and when he gets kind of offended for the first time, yeah, you you just immediately are... are he's so unpredictable after that. Yeah. Um, and I, I love characters like that so much, and he does it so well. I hadn't seen this in a long time. So when I got, I got to revisit that, that is, of course, my favorite part of the movie, is just getting to watch <laughs> him. Amazing performance. Oh, fantastic. The rest of the cast is Vera Miles, who plays Lila Crane, Mary's nice. sister. John Gavin, who plays Sam Loomis, Marion's <laughs> boyfriend, and Oscar winner Martin Balsam, who plays private investigator Arbogast. Fantastic. He's oh. great. <laughs> Balsam won for his role in 1965's A Thousand Crowns, oh, and yeah. he does a great job in this movie as oh, Arbogast. Oh, he's, he's amazing. Uh, fantastic. Every, the whole time he's on the screen, it's like fireworks are going off. My <laughs> favorite thing about this movie is everybody who they introduce to be the hero is immediately fucking dispatched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. You are never safe in this movie. No, no forgiveness. <laughs> no forgiveness. And I would say the true star of this film is the menacing and unbelievably frightening score by Bernard Herrmann. Ah, totally, totally fine with that. Yeah, those, those op that opening credit scene when you just have the lines moving and... Oh my god. Oh, it's so, <laughs> so terrifying. We all know the music from Psycho. If you've never seen the movie, you know the music from Psycho. Yeah, yeah, it's legendary. Without it, this film isn't half as terrifying. And you've seen the posters of her screaming of the in the shower. You know, oh, everybody, yeah. Everybody's seen that. It's classic. It's amazing. We'll play... I, Timeless. We'll play the usual bit of music at the end, but here's a little snippet of arguably the most famous horror movie score of all time. Isn't that still creepy after all these years? It's <laughs> yes. terrifying. Eebie-jeebies. <laughs> Gives me chills. Uh, immediately. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Psycho has an IMDb score of 8.5, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 96%. Fuck yeah. It was nominated for four Oscars, Best Supporting Actress for Janet Leigh, Best Director for Alfred Hitchcock, 
Best Cinematography, and Best Art Direction. How it wasn't nominated for score is beyond me. Uh, yeah. I can't fucking believe that. Like, okay. I don't even want to know what else was nominated, because I'm not re- probably not going to know the movies, really, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is... This is one of the most famous film scores of all time. Yeah. It's still scary. It's creepy yeah. as hell. It still stands, yeah. So, the story of Psycho. Oh. Off the cuff, like all we right. like doing it. Yeah. All right. So, the, op- <laughs> the opening shot is one of my favorite, one of my favorite bits, going into the hotel room. And that scene between you see, you know, obviously Loomis and Crane are in a relationship. That that open shot is so beautiful of it of it coming in at the beginning. I think he wanted to use a helicopter there, but like he did. It was money issues, I guess, yeah. or something. So. And that's one thing Gus Van Sant did fulfill in the yes, remake, which he, looks beautiful yeah. in, the, in the ninety-eight one. But uh, I still like the sixty-one oh, better. Sure. Of I could, I will never. Uh, uh-uh. it's such a <laughs> brilliant introdu- introduction. Yeah. Like uh, here I am. I'm. I'm a very talented filmmaker. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> well, I love that just from the opening, Marion with uh, Sam. Yeah, they're an unmarried couple. Yeah, like yeah. straight up in the first scene, Hitchcock is pissing on the Hays Code. Yeah, for I sure. Love it. Yeah, here they, here they are, and they're <laughs> obviously had sex. Yeah. You know, you know. That's just... She's wearing a bra. Yeah, that's not that's weird. Back it, then, it's like a pretty sexy scene, and I've heard Janet Lee talk about. She said that like Hitchcock was like, "I'm challenging you. I know you haven't had to really do stuff like this because this isn't." Done. So, <laughs> but I need you to go there. You know, and she was like, "I gave her my best," and yeah. she did. It's a great scene. Props to all of the actors involved in this because this very easily could have been a career ender for everybody involved. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I love that everybody was willing to go there. That's a good point. Yeah, they, they everybody was committed. Yeah, <laughs> best foot forward for sure. Absolutely. So, Marion and Sam make plans to eventually get together for real when Sam's out of debt and his wife. Uh, gets married. His ex-wife gets married, so he can stop paying alimony. Yeah, and she goes to work at this like a real estate kind of business. It's, she's a secretary. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this bo- her boss walks in with this rich old Texan. <laughs> <laughs> she just loves swinging his big old money dick around, <laughs> and <laughs> he 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 gets right up in Marion's face and is like, "Oh, you." Pretty girl. Not you, my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Super creepy. <laughs> yeah, that guy's frightening, as is. Yeah. He's like, I got $40,000, and here it is. I never, Which, 1960, yeah. this is, that's a big deal. I never carry around more than I can afford to lose. Oh, I always like that gosh. line. That, that's a great line. <laughs> the arrogance is awesome in that. Yeah. yeah. So he throws forty grand on Marion's desk. He's doing a deal with her boss. And the boss is like, look, I don't even want this in the office. Go take that to the bank. We'll get him to write yes. a check on Monday. She's like, oh, okay. So she just has $40,000 now. And he, without hesitation, she's like, I'm taking this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Does it, it's not, not much of a thought process, really. No. And I, I want to ask you, what would you have done? Whew. If somebody... 1960. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Like, somebody gives know. me $40,000 to go deposit... And that can change my entire life yeah, if I yeah. just get the hell out of there. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do in that situation. I'd think about it more than she did. <laughs> I, maybe, yeah. And then she, I, I just, I, I can't imagine going through with that. What, what's the next step? Which clearly she was like, fuck, I don't yeah. <laughs> But she does it, man. She, yeah. she does it. She, she goes takes for off. It. She starts to leave town. And then while she's at a crosswalk, her boss walks in front of her car. Yep. And gives her a like, huh, you're not supposed to be over here kind yeah. of look. And oh my! The music swells, and she's like, "Oh shit! I gotta get out of here right now." Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's truly like 
different kind of horror going yeah. on. You know, just unsettling. Kind this of is stuff. a completely different movie until she gets to the Bates Motel. Yes, for sure, it's brilliant. And I really like the yeah the first twenty minutes or so. There. And that scene of her running into her boss in front of her car was directly lifted for Pulp Fiction. Yes. I yes. love that. Yes. When Butch is driving from his apartment and Marcellus Wallace walks in front of his car, motherfuck. Classic. And then, boom. Straight out of, ugh. Oh, I love Straight it. into Psycho. <laughs> Talk about one legend paying respect to another. To another yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so Marion hightails it to the highway. She's thinking of all these you know, scenarios in her head, like Sam yeah, being cr- like... Creepy stuff. Yeah. The stuff playing in her head is weird. Sam's like, oh, this money will change our lives. Yeah, and her boss is like... Debt. Yeah. And... Eventually, she pulls over, and she falls asleep in her car, and this cop knocks on her window, and is like, uh, what are you doing out here? Apparently, Hitchcock hated cops. <laughs> That's what I've heard that. Really? He was not a fan of the police, so <laughs> he like wanted to make that character really... Cause he's, that comes across in his he's films. very creepy, that, that cop. He's very, like, uh, I don't know. About a lot this. of the cops in his films are either incompetent or evil. I've noticed that. Yeah. That's funny. There's some truth to that, then, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> no, I yeah okay. But uh, the, and oddly, Marion is very flippant with the cops. Yeah, like right away, like starts yeah. her car. She and seems guilty immediately. Yeah, yeah, she does. Like you can steal forty grand, you can't lie about it for. And he's a like, day. hold on now, there, Missy. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, man, she takes off, but the cop follows her. Yep. And Marion gets paranoid, so she stops at a used car dealership and wants to buy a car. And this, this scene's hilarious. It, it is great. The guy's like, just like trying to sell her on a car, and Mary's like, "No, I want this one right now, please." Yeah, he's like surprised that she's <laughs> basically selling him. You know, like, no, yeah. no, no, I know what I want. <laughs> and eventually, you know, the guy gives Marion buys this car with cash. Yeah, and takes off. And, and the cop sees this. Yeah, yeah cop yeah. sees this whole interaction. Always she, wearing those damn sunglasses. She yeah. almost drives off without her bags. She's clearly running away from something, and everybody there knows it. Yeah. And she keeps driving towards Fairville, which is where Sam lives. This all takes place in Phoenix. Yeah. Arizona. Such a random setting, which yeah. I love. I love <laughs> that it's in Arizona. Like, <laughs> And uh, it starts raining, and she realizes like she can't make it to Fairville tonight, so she stops at a motel. The Bates Motel. Ah. Hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> off, the, off the old highway. Old Bates, with a creepy-ass <laughs> house behind it. I would not stay there myself, but... She thought otherwise. Because of this movie, I'll never stay at another motel. Like, I know I'm not the mark, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> you also get, you know, if you run into a No Country for Old Men situation at Jesus, a hotel. Jesus, yeah, there's another reason. It's pretty frightening, yeah. <laughs> Weird looking shit. At, looking out your window like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Bad shit happens at motels. That's oh, boy. a big lesson I learned from yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, but she... Uh, Looks up at the old house, and she sees somebody moving around in the window. So she honks the horn, and a few minutes later, this gangly dude comes out of the front door of the house, comes down to the office, introduces himself as Norman Bates. Hands in pocket, like, uh, yeah. He's unassuming, he's quiet, you get the feeling he's kind of a weak guy, and you don't really, he's the kind of guy you wouldn't really give a second glance. No. Unless he's smiling at you like he does at the end, but <laughs> I see that. Holy shit! But right now, but yeah, yeah. When he's just, yeah, yeah. when he's just like you know. Remember back then, audiences didn't know what was going to happen in oh, Psycho. No, not we not. all know what what Norman Bates is now, but back then, this was huge. This was one of the earliest like giant twist endings. 
And the whole movie, it's funny the little hints that you get at Norman's true motivations here. Yeah. Like the way he's, you know, talking about taxidermy. Like his his mother's harmless because she's just as harmless as one of these stuffed birds. Yeah. Like, fuck. Oh my gosh. It's, ugh. So wonderful. and Like, once-in-a-lifetime dialogue for Perkins. <laughs> yeah. He signs Marion in, and she goes to her room. He starts, Wait, what's the name she uses? Marie Samuels? Marie Samuels, yeah. 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 And she goes to her room. He's showing her around. He hesitates about the bathroom. Yeah. Weird. Very, very bizarre. And uh, he invites her to have dinner with him, and he goes to go ask Mother if that'd be all right. And you hear her screaming. Yeah. yeah. I'm Disgusting not, woman! Yeah. She doesn't straight up say whore, but yeah. she wants to. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Fuck the Hays Code. Yeah, and you know Norman's like, Mother, please, stop it. She's kind, she's nice. Yeah, she's and just stopping through. Yeah. Marion's like, over at the hotel, just like, ugh. What is <laughs> she doesn't on? need this. Is anyone else here? Yeah, <laughs> fuck. And Norman comes out of the house with a tray of sandwiches and milk. Ugh. Which is a weird... People who just drink milk... I hate people. Are weird. Or sorry, there's probably... uh, I don't hate you. I just hate that you do that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate when someone just just has a glass of milk in there. Because I'm I'm a big Clockwork Orange fan, so... (laughs) It puts me in a weird weird place. (laughs) You are totally allowed at all times to drink chocolate milk. You are not allowed to just drink regular milk. I associate chocolate milk with my my childhood, yeah. Yeah. Chocolate milk is a fun treat. Regular milk is a serial killer waiting to happen. (laughs) It's disturbing. All you weirdos out there that drink milk. <laughs> yeah. Unless you have a big old cookie with it, you keep that shit away from me. <laughs> oh, man. And then, yeah, like a sandwich. Just just a sandwich on a plate. I've ended friendships that over this shit. That creeps out, too. Yeah. There's no chips on there. There's no fries. You just got a plain old sandwich just <laughs> laying on a plain plate. Just unsettling. There's so many red flags. Yeah, just little like little like imagery that I just be like, no, I, <laughs> I gotta get the hell out of here. Oh, it's crazy. Well, yeah, just just the house at the beginning. Yeah, if I just, if I saw that, I'd be like, no, this can't be a good place to stay. It can't be. Nobody else is there. That looks like a haunted house. Yeah, yeah that, that's I'm good. <laughs> but you know, she's just curious, I yeah. guess. And she's talking. Norman's talking to her about his mother, and she asks, like, you ever do anything else? You ever go out with friends? And he says the immortal line, oh, a boy's best friend is his mother. Yeah. Oh, God. Boom. Red light. Weirdo. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Fuck off. Go to the Motel 6 down the road. <laughs> this guy has issues. Fuck off. You still got time. Go back. Give the 40000 back to, and be like, I <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but she just keeps eating the sandwich. Oh, like, oh, yeah. okay. And keeps <laughs> drinking that damn milk. Yeah. Oh, boy. And he's talking about his mother saying, like, yeah, he's thought about leaving her or throwing her in a mental hospital, but he could never do that. Those places are terrible. And eventually Marion starts thinking, like, all right, maybe I should give the money back. Yeah. This is, this is not cool. This is taking a turn for the worse here. I don't know about this guy. I think I need to go to sleep now. <laughs> so she goes to bed. Not and, before a cold shower. Oh, yeah, but she goes to take a shower first, and Norman takes a picture off the office wall and is peeping at her, which is just... Unnerving. All too creepy, yeah. And Marion hides the 40 grand in a newspaper on her bedside table and takes a shower. And while she's in the shower, <laughs> you see this looming figure creeping out from the shower curtain. You see it from her angle. Looks like a Kingdom Hearts character or something. You're like, <laughs> what is going on, man? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I immediately thought that when I watched it last. I was like, that dark face, that figure, you're like, what is that, heartless? <laughs> <laughs> but the shower curtain opens, the music starts swelling, and something looks like Norman's mom. Just moving. Starts stabbing Mary into death. Yeah. Huge yeah, You shot. clearly see the hair for yeah. a snippet. There's that mm-hmm. The important snippet where you see hair. So you see hair and a butcher knife. The mother is involved in some fashion. You know yeah. that right away. But, but you don't get a clear frame, so you're like, I, I don't know what that was. That could have just no. that could have been a monster. I don't know. But Marion is stabbed to death brutally. Dude, that... And the shots of the point of the knife, they're like, ah! It's brilliant. The way it's filmed is so brilliant, because you don't see anything, no. but you see everything. And you hear that... This, yeah. Oof. Yeah, that, those noises are not fun. Marion collapses, <laughs> blood runs down the drain. Ugh. She's dead. Our hero is dead. Her face like <laughs> lands like not in the shower, but like out, like near the toilet. Yeah. Just terrible, terrible yeah. death. She's yeah. What kind of like nobody expected that brutality? Ultimate slasher scene. Like whoa, that this is too, yeah, this is dark. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Ugh. And mom goes back up to the house, and you just hear Norman go. Oh my god, blood, mother, what have you done? Oh my god. Yes. And he runs down from the house, he finds Marion, and he's immediately like, oh my god, he's horrified. Yeah, freaked out. He's yeah. like, I gotta fix this. Yeah, I gotta do something so about this. So he starts cleaning up the scene. Yes, that's a that's that's filmed maybe even better. <laughs> because even then he couldn't show like the body too much, or he had to just, because it's still naked, so he had yeah. to show him just working, you know, yeah. just like, trying to fix this situation. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> At so this good. point, you still are like audiences in 1960 still see Norman as this weak but fairly innocent guy. Yeah, yeah. Who, whose mother has just murdered a woman he was nice to. But who was nice to him. But what I get, I remember what I got the first time I ever saw it was, okay, are they they're like working together? The mom and the the mom and the son are mm-hmm. are they a tag team serial killer like duo? See, I would say because she kills and then he has to go clean up at like, the cause, time. Because the way he reacts yeah. is like mom blood, but it was also like he knew what to do, you know. That's true. You know, he was shocked. It's but weird to put your head. He in, was though. prepared, yeah. but you know, like we know now that it's yes. all Norman. So it's all. It's so weird to put your head there. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's that's what makes it fun and to rewatch though. Is but here's the thing: who's cleaning all that? Who's cleaning the scene? Is it Norman or is it Mother? No idea. Like, do we I still e- don't really know. I, I don't know. Do we ever actually see Norman in this movie? Is it Mom the whole time? Possibly. How fucked up with that? Yeah, be? I know. Oof. Controlling the whole time. I love it. But uh, Norman puts the body in her car, puts all of her effects in the car, puts the newspaper with the forty grand in the car. Yeah. You never see the money again. Nobody gets the money. Kind of a kind of disappointing on that this, side of it. This is a crime. Someone says in the movie that this is a crime of passion, not not profit. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and he drives the car into a swamp. Swamp gets rid of the evidence. In his face right there. Oh, boy, that <laughs> smirk is so grimace. Uh, it's Just like that, Marion Crane was never there. Yep. Wiped away. Yeah. From existence, yeah. Here we go. So, so we, now... Yeah. <laughs> so we cut to Sam Loomis, Marion's boyfriend, working at a store. Yeah. And his, her sister Lila comes in and is like, do you know where Marion is? Apparently she stole forty grand, and nobody's seen her in a week. And he's like, no, nobody told me. And this guy walks in, Arbogast, private investigator. Let's talk about. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm. I'm been hired to look into this. So, what do you know? And they're like, we don't know you. That's what we know. <laughs> yeah, really, really funny scene yeah. right there. A great character introduction, just very abrupt. Like, hey, how you doing? All right. <laughs> he's like, well, look, this is my job, and let's I'm, talk. Yeah. So, 
Reminded me a lot of Defino, the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Like, what do you say? We compare notes, you know, personal. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But uh, Arbogast starts checking out motels around, you know, hotels, anywhere she might have stayed. And he eventually lead, gets led to the Bates Motel, where he talks to Norman Bates. And I fucking love this scene. Yeah, he knows, he, Arbogast knows Norman flying. And he oh, just, yeah. He keeps he, asking He feels questions. him out the whole time. It's so great. Norman, for a killer, is such a fucking terrible liar. <laughs> he is. It's funny. But that's what makes him feel kind of like a victim. Yeah. Uh, at, the, at the end. In the end, it kind of makes it, because he's like stuttering and kind of lost in who's, what, who he even is. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, the way, the way Detective uh, just slices him off right there. Yeah. Like, I, I got you. Arbogast starts asking, like, did she pay cash? Yeah. Did she, like, and then he asks her abruptly, he asks Norman abruptly, did you spend the night with her? Yeah. And he's like, what? No. No. And he's like, well, how do you know she didn't make any phone calls? He's like, uh, 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 what, uh, oh, I remember now. Yeah. She was tired. Like, he just is talking yeah, out of his and ass. And then she the whole ate. Time. Yeah. And then, she, then I made her food. Yeah. And there's more and more. And then my mother went, wait, what? What about your mother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Arbogast wants to talk to mom. And Norman's like, absolutely Jeez. not. I said all I'm going to say. Get out of here. Yeah. I think it's time for you to go. And Arbogast is like, all right. <laughs> sure. So he goes. Here we go. He goes to a phone booth. He calls Isla and Sam and says, like, look. I have a lead. She was here. I'm going to go talk to mom. I'll get back to you. Yeah, because he sees her in the window. Yeah. 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 So Arbogast sneaks into the into the house and is going to look for mom. He gets to the top of the stairs. Mom comes out of nowhere, stabs him in the face. Yep. <laughs> it's such a haunting scene. You get this really creepy shot of Arbogast falling backwards yeah. down the stairs. Oh, his eyes are like super wide. Oh, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Mom just follows him down, stabs him in the chest a hunt, like a bunch of times. Arbogast, our second hero, dead. Yep. <laughs> he, he did not have a long lifespan on this movie. We have nobody to relate to now except for Norman Bates. Like, uh, he's the man. only character we know who's gotten any sort of development now. Yeah. And it's creepy. It's really weird. You feel really lost, and now yeah. you're like grasping for straws. We have no one to root yeah, for. What are we doing here? Get me out. <laughs> like, I, I bet... I don't know because the first time I saw this, I did know about Norman Bates. I've never not known, so it'd be hard for me to imagine this. But I gotta think that in 1960, audiences must have thought Norman's got to be our hero, and he's gonna kill his mom. He's gonna finally step up, yeah. to his mom. That's what I bet. That's what I'm, somebody was yeah. thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I think I would have thought, or I kind of did when I first saw it, that they were a tag team and that he had to stop her. Yeah, he's like, okay, I I have to be like the good. The good one here and put this to an end. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> but no, very much not the case. Ah, oh, man. So, Lila and Sam are, you know, they don't really know what to do now. Arbogast never called. And they had never met Lila and Sam. So, no. these two characters, you know, there it was Sam who was the boyfriend and now she's dead. Yeah. So, these two people have to, like, work together and it's really hard because yeah. they, they didn't really know each other. Somebody they loved is gone. Yeah. And they need to know why and uh. where. So they go to the Bates Motel to kind of look around on their own. Because that's the last place they know Arbogast was at. And they they aren't very good at hiding that they're there for their own oh, agenda either. But before that, they go to the cops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They go to the cop. They go to talk to you're uh, right, you're right. Sheriff Al Chambers. Yes. And they tell him, like, Arbogast was going to talk to Norman's mom, and then we never heard from him again, and he would have called. And they're like, the sheriff's like, Wait a minute, let me get this straight. He said he was going to talk to Norman's mother? So, yeah. Well, Norman's mom's been dead for ten years. Yeah, has been buried here, like, here, here. Yeah. And that's where we're all like, what? 
Okay. Oh, well, now, now, Norman, what are you hiding, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> so that's when they decide, all right, we're going to go figure this, this out. Norm, yeah, this Bates Motel is fucked. Yeah. So they check into the motel under the guise of husband and wife. And Sam is and, fucking with him. And he him. gives him like what? He gives him like cabin eleven because there's twelve of them. Yeah, he gives him one of those back, those ones that are kind of mm-hmm. far. But Sam's like, look, I need a receipt. He's like, okay, and I have no bags. He's like, all right, that's fine. It's like, oh, well, that's the first time I've ever seen a motel where you don't have to pay in advance if you have no bags. Like he's yeah. fucking with with Norman the whole time. And I think on some level, Norman knows that. Yeah, that that that's what I'm saying. I think they should have played it more low key mm-hmm. um, because immediately I think he's thinking that looks. That looks like Crane's sister. That looks like yeah. Marion, who I just killed. So far, everybody who's been to this motel has been talking about Marion. Yeah, Crane. yeah. So why wouldn't these guys? Mm-hmm. And uh, Lila is going to go sneak into the house while Sam distracts Norman with some talk. So Lila sneaks into the house, starts looking around. Sam's talking to Norman. Sam's already asking about the money. Like, you know, so. What would it take for you to run away from all this? Maybe forty grand? And he's like, What are you talking about? Like, I would yeah. never leave here. This is my home. This is my mother's home. And Sam's like, Come on, I know what you did. And we all know what you did, so why don't you just fess up? And Norman's like, Who's where's the girl who was with you? And he yeah, knocks Sam out. Yeah. Oh man. Norman runs up to the house. Lila's like, you know, freaking out. She hears Norman coming up, she sees him, so she runs down to the cellar. And in the cellar, Lila finds the rotting dead body of Mrs. Bay of Norman's mom, and it's a big, mo- like, shocking moment. And then Norman comes out from the, behind the corner with a knife and dressed in drag, and is going to stab yeah. Lila. But yeah. Sam comes up from behind him, bashes him in the head. The nightmare is over. But Norman was behind all of this. He's the monster. He was dressing as his mom, wearing a wig. Yeah. Oh, uh, what a weirdo. Oh boy. He gets arrested, and the doctor, uh, Doctor Richmond or Richmond is talking about what was up with this whole thing. Yeah. Norman killed his mother years ago and has been kind of possessed by her personality. She's he's he's got personality disorder and multiple yeah. personalities and mother takes over whenever he gets sexually excited or you know does something that she would think would be wrong and t- takes care of that problem. But now, because of the shock of this whole thing, Norman's gone, and Mother is all that's left. It's so unnerving. Oh, God. And Lila and Sam are like, so Marion's dead. And he's like, yeah, but not for the money. This was passion. Yeah, super dark. <laughs> super dark ending. And just, yep, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you see Norman, in or Mother, in the holding cell, just kind of sitting there, thinking like, you know, Bet they'll let me go if I play the innocent. Like I'm not even going to swat this fly on my hand because mm-hmm. they'll they'll see. <laughs> they'll yeah, look at me and think, "Oh, oh, that she wouldn't even hurt a fly." And Norman does this super, super creepy grin at the camera. Oh my god, he's legendary, absolutely nightmarish. Yeah. <laughs> and they start pulling the car out of the swamp, and that's the end of the movie. Yep, the end. It says. <laughs> so good. Phenomenal. I got a really cool fun fact. The guard who's standing outside of uh, Norman's cell mm-hmm. is Ted Knight. Wow. Yeah. Nice. You'll know, viewers, you guys will know, or listeners, you guys will know him as uh, Judge Snails, or Smales in uh, Caddyshack. Yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, Legend. Yeah, that was like one of his first things. Pretty cool. So, Psycho. Absolutely phenomenal. The first movie. 
And there were three sequels. 1983's Psycho 2 stars Anthony, Ho- Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. It was written by Tom Holland. Yeah, how about that? Writer of the original Fright Night and the original Child's Play. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man. <laughs> if you want it, sure, why not? <laughs> Vera Miles also returns as Lila Loomis, having married Sam at some point. Which I think is a little weird, personally. Yes, I agree. But this was the 60s, or at least or the 80s now, I guess. In this film, Norman is released from the mental hospital after 22 years and tries to resume a normal life. But he is still haunted by his mother. It has an IMDb score of 6.5 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 61%. So, relatively favorable. I might check this one out. Kind of weird. Psycho doesn't seem like the kind of movie you do a sequel to. No, because the ending is so perfect. Yeah, but then so, again... So abrupt, too. They'll well, do sequels to fucking anything. Yeah, of course. Money. Yeah. Anyone will do anything to make money. Next up was 1986's Psycho 3, starring Anthony Perkins once again as Norman Bates, who falls in love with a nun who stays at the motel alongside a drifter and a reporter. And, of course, Norman is still haunted by Mother. And Perkins actually directed this one, too. It has an IMDb score of 5.4, Rotten Tomatoes score of 58%. Yikes. It's going down. Finally, 1990's Psycho 4, The Beginning, starring Anthony Perkins in his final performance as Norman Bates. It's a prequel of sorts, with Norman recounting his abusive childhood with his mother Norma, played by Olivia Hussey of Black Christmas and Romeo and Juliet. But it's also a sequel, as Norman is about to have a child, and he fears for the child's sanity. It has an IMDb score of 5.5. It does not have a Rotten Tomatoes critic score, but it has an audience score of 33%. Not a good sign. Nah, I think I'll stick with just the original here. I think this was a TV movie, and he died shortly after this. But uh, I'm probably going to check these out, honestly. I'm curious. Maybe one day. I, I, just, uh, when I, have, I don't know when I'll have time. I do love Perkins so much. That he I'll, is fantastic. I'll check him out. Yeah. The only thing, other thing I've seen him in besides Psycho is 1974's Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, yeah. And he plays the butler to the dead guy. Mm-hmm. He's good in that. He is good. Yeah. But at the same time, I get you know the typecast because all I saw was Norman Bates. Yeah, of course. It's kind of sad. But I remember I read that Perkins and Lee both said they'd rather be remembered for this than remembered for nothing, which is a nice way of thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, this is this is everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. It's a timeless movie. Absolutely. So the film was remade in 1998. By Explain God. remade. Remade as in reshot in color, <laughs> identically. It's the same fucking movie, but yep. with no chemistry, no originality, <laughs> nothing. Gus Van Sant, fresh off Goodwill Hunting, chose this as his next project, and it it hurt him bad. He must have been in a, a strange place in his mind. Must have been pretty arrogant. It was like, oh, I'm going to be this master and change Psycho and make it in color. And That's have, all he did. Have it, in the, have it in the 90s, and then it's like, yeah, yeah but nothing else was there. You, there <laughs> there's you know, zero zero creativity in my in my. Uh, in my mind, except for the opening shot, that's it. The part that really annoys me is when asked why Gus Van Sant was remaking Psycho, his reasoning was so someone else doesn't have to. Hmm. Fuck you. What is that's arrogant as fuck. What is that? <laughs> like, I'll do it so no one else will remake Psycho. Really? I'll take that. I'll take that on. <laughs> Dickhead. Nobody needed that. I don't like you as much now. <laughs> 
So, the cast. Anne Heche as Marion Crane. And I believe she's crazy. I don't know anything about Anne Heche apart from... Somebody told me she was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I've actually read that on like a BuzzFeed. One of those (laughs) bullshit, yeah. yeah. Some kind of cult thing or something. I don't know. We'll do research in the future. (laughs) Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. Why... Ha. He, he literally. He, let me hold on. Let's see if I can do it. Ha. He, he like does that over and over. Ha. It's terrible. <laughs> so bad. He's this, always eating candy corn. This shit. isn't fucking wedding crashers, man. Like he has none of Anthony Perkins' likability, any of his charm, no, any of his creepiness. Oh, he has a shit ton of creepiness, but not in the right way. <laughs> yeah, no. It's more just like oh, I, I don't know. I, I really dislike that performance from him, and I'm I'm actually a big Vince Vaughn fan. So I'm a fan of everybody in this movie. But, yeah, me too. Actually, yeah. when you except for Anne Hesh, I don't yeah, really except know for Anne Hesh, yeah. fuck you. But but what the hell? Because there, there's some other yeah, I mean, there's some other stars here. Like Julianne Moore plays Lila, Vigo Mortensen plays Sam, and William H Macy plays Arbogast. Yeah, man. Like I love those people. You, if you just if Gus Van Sant had decided to maybe twist something, make it a little different, take his own spin on this, this could have been awesome. Hey, Gus, just make a different movie with that <coughs> cast. Yeah. Just do a different story. If you're going to tackle a classic like Psycho, you got to bring something new to the table. It has to be different. It doesn't yeah. have to be good, but it has to be different. Literally all they changed was the, the, the setting, the time. That's like, it. That's like it. No, it was and co- they made the money $400,000 now. Because oh, 40 grand's nothing in, 90, in the 90s, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I, I think I, I used this as an example before. I, might not, I don't know if we were recording when I said this, but... Rob Zombie's Halloween, it's not great. It's the worst version of Halloween, but it's a little different. It yes. stands out. It has taste. Yeah, it has a different taste. Different. Yeah. And, th- and that makes me want to rewatch that mm-hmm. more because, yeah, because it at least did something. Yeah, yeah like you're saying, did something different. Zack Snyder's I just, Dawn I just of the prefer, Dead. I just prefer any time you get a big, good cast, just fucking make a new story. Yeah. Because that's usually your best bet, man. Exactly. And at this time, like... You have Julianne Moore. She's working with like right and left with PTA and William H Macy. And Vigo is about to be in Lord of the Rings. Like these are some stars, man. Really disappointing. And you're watching that movie unfold, and you're just like, oh my god, it's literally the exact same movie. It is just shittier. Great, yeah. great, great. The, the camera thanks angles. Wasting, yeah, thanks for wasting my time. The camera <laughs> angles are identical. The dialogue is verbatim. Yes, but it's all said like worse. Robert Forster plays the doctor at the end, and he was sent the script. And he called his agent to make sure he was sent the right script. Yeah. Because they sent him the original Psycho script. He's like, are you sure? They're I'm like, yeah. to this exact stuff. They're yeah. like, yeah, this is the script. And they're, like, they're, they're just doing the same movie. Love Robert Forster, by the way. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> but what the... Yeah. Why they, does this even exist? It's really annoying. Yeah, it's really annoying that it's a part of... Uh, that it, yeah, that it got made. Like, ah. Uh, bastards. It's infuriating. <laughs> bastards. If we had that access and that opportunity to make something with people are that talented like you know it's just it's annoying because it feels yeah it feels just like a waste of energy it's disingenuous from yeah. the beginning and it's just and if not to mention it's disrespectful in my opinion to yeah. to rehash psycho and not actually change anything or add your own like flavor or or say like oh i want to give this character a little more screen time because i that character really influenced me you know something something yeah. you know come on <laughs> oh yeah. man it's a mi- IMDb score four point six. There you go. Rotten Tomato score of thirty eight percent. It's got lower ratings than almost all of the Psycho sequels. What's what has it got from you? 
I gave it a five, and that's for the music. Yeah, I'd say four, probably for me. Just yeah, I want to be a little bit more of a dick. Do we rate? The, <laughs> do we rate Psycho the original yet? We will at the end. We will. Okay, yeah, good. I'm waiting because I'm that. really interested to hear yours. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I don't know. Okay, and there was a prequel series made titled Bates Motel that ran from 2013 to 2017 on A and E for five seasons. It starred Freddie Highmore as Norman Bates and Vera Farmiga Woo! as his mother Norma. It was very well received by critics, and you saw a lot of that, right? Yes, yeah. So, I watched it because of Farmiga, because Conjuring had just happened. Okay. And I was like, okay, I can I can get down with this. I enjoyed it. It got a little, um, it probably should have only been like three seasons, in my opinion. No. But that, that happens a lot. It's okay. But um, there's some really good stuff in there. I definitely... Did you see the entire show? Yeah. Did yeah. it ever do anything with Psycho? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. Oh, okay. You should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should watch it. I tried. I, I watched the first two episodes, but this was like years ago. Yeah, I couldn't really. get He's into hard it. to like really get invested into. A Freddie, yeah. the actor, he's hard to like really. I liked him as when he was a kid, but as yeah. an adult, he's really kind of off putting. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe it's just because I keep and seeing Charlie Bucket. Farmiga, man, I, she's great. Charlie Bucket. <laughs> yeah, that's who he was to me as a kid. <laughs> And I, just, I can't see him as Norman Bates. Isn't he fucking uh, August Rush, too? Yeah, and yeah. he's on that show, The Good Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the hell? He's had a very odd career. Yeah. But, you know, props for him for escaping the child actor curse. Uh, true, true. Yeah. So here's some filmgasm facts on Psycho. These are great. There were so many cool stories out of this movie. Number one, on set... Alfred Hitchcock would always refer to Anthony Perkins as Master Bates. <laughs> That's great. Fucking, I love his sense of humor. Hitchcock, man. Oh, fantastic. Number two, this was the first American movie ever to show a toilet flushing on screen. That was taboo in the Hayes Code. Wow. Yeah. How about that? And they actually had to make it so that the toilet was paramount, like it was crucial to the plot, or else they couldn't show it. Marion ends up flushing some uh, incriminating evidence down the toilet. But this was the first time ever. Unbelievable, dude. <laughs> so strange. Um, That's the film guys and boys giving us uh, oh, yeah. fucking messages over here. <laughs> Don't worry, we're getting to it. <laughs> Number three. Hitchcock used Hershey's chocolate syrup instead of blood because it showed up better on camera. So when Marion gets killed, that blood circle in the drain is actually Bosco. Not or, surprising. Or Hershey's. Still, it works for One me. Of them. Works for me. Yeah. How neat. And number four. Hitchcock was initially disappointed with the movie. He even disliked the shower scene and believed the movie would end up on a low-budget drive-in double bill, which is sad. According to Bernard Herrmann, Hitchcock thought of editing it down for broadcast on his TV show. This was almost an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Ooh. Hitchcock did not conceive of music for the shower scene, but Herman did it anyway. After seeing the movie with its score, including the shower sequence, Hitchcock realized the movie would work. Bernard Herrmann saved this movie. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I cannot imagine watching, really, most movies without the music, especially in horror. But this, especially, yeah, is psycho. a completely different animal without it the music. It immediately jumps off, the opening credit scene immediately jumps off with music, and the whole time you need the music and the... It's disturbing. It's yeah. so... Un- I, I turned on all the lights in my apartment. I was like, this is gonna, this is creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely unsettling. It does its job very well. <laughs> and that's Psycho, an undisputed horror classic. And I give it a nine. Same. It's not... I don't know why it's not quite there for me. I do. What is it? It's the lull with the boyfriend and the girl. I love... They're the only characters I don't really like. With with So with Loomis and Lila. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mar- the whole thing with Marion is brilliant. The tension's great. Norman's great. Arbogast is great. But then when it gets to them, I don't know. There's something... little. It's, it misses a little something. I, I 
I'm I'm with you on that. That's probably the weakest stretch of the movie. But even then, the rest of it is so fucking amazing. It's so good that it doesn't hurt. Really, it's, no. I'm, I'm trying to think. There's something else that could, I can never put my my finger quite on. With the the shower scene, I love to death. But I, I my mind usually goes to I wish I could see more of what's happening. Um, of course, that's part of the charm, and that's part of you know you never get to see that, and I love that scene. But my mind does wander. Yeah, uh, and that's that's part of the, the the wonder of movies and the joy of movies. But uh, my mind my mind does go there sometimes. There's other there's other slasher movies, uh, Halloween specifically, that kind of fulfills that that like oh you know like that's what we go to see this crazy entertainment of these guys mm-hmm. that are just you know relentless and uh, but this this movie's very crafty very crafty but I, I'm with you there's that little so you you have to deduct it a little bit just a tiny it's not not yeah. quite a masterpiece for me well let's see what the rest of the team thought. Here's Caleb Leger's thoughts on Psycho. I have a somewhat interesting relationship with Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Like many people my age, I have many memories of being a kid and finding most of what my parents watched on TV strange, scary, or boring. Psycho, it turned out, was a mixture of both for me. I never understood what my mom liked about this film so much, and then the twist at the end happens. An ending that seriously scared the shit out of me as a kid. Now, like many, I consider this film to be an absolute classic and Hitchcock's masterpiece. And to think, almost everyone involved in the production predicted it would be a total bomb. Where do I even begin with this classic film? I mean, everything has been covered before. But here we go. Let's start with the influence Psycho has had on film since. Released in 1960, this is considered one of the first slashers, depending on who you ask the first, but that's a debate for another day. Featuring many of the elements that would be used to great effect in the slasher boom of the 80s, it's easy to see why. One moment in particular would inspire the opening to Scream in the 90s. You know what scene I'm talking about, the famous shower scene. There's a reason this scene has become so popular. The use of music and the fact that this was our main character was shocking, to say the least. It helps that Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins give outstanding performances, the latter of which has quickly showed why he is the only one who could properly play Norman Bates. Spoiler warning before I go on for those who haven't seen it. We didn't bother with a spoiler warning. This is I don't give a 60 shit. years old. Yeah, <laughs> It's your fault at this point. I really don't think you're listening to this <laughs> if you haven't, or haven't seen the movie. Perkins has a phenomenal job of being completely innocent in the beginning and turning full crazy once it's revealed he is, in fact, mother. And, like I said, his reveal of him being dressed like his mother left some serious scars on me as a kid. But this now brings me to the few negatives I have on this film. Before I go on, I know this is a classic. I love this movie. Not taking that away from it. But these two things just don't work for me. The first being the entire second half after the shower scene. It still works, but it's not as fun to watch. Just a slight downgrade. And then there's the infamous ending where the entire film is explained to the audience in the last five minutes. I know Hitchcock was forced to do this by the studio, but it still hasn't aged well. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of like that part. Psycho is a classic horror film that has had a lasting impact on the film industry. Hitchcock stood his ground even when everyone was telling him this was going to bomb, and thank God he did. Who knows what the genre would have been like without this seminal film. While there are some elements that have not aged well, unfortunately, I still love this movie. Featuring an outstanding performance from Anthony Perkins, shocking mid-movie twist, and Hitchcock's skillful direction, this is a film everyone needs to see, horror fan or not. 9 out of 10. Well said. Absolutely. I agree with pretty much all of that except for the sum up at the end. I think that's in- I think that's yeah. important. I also think that's 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 Hitchcock. That's he um he's an abrupt storyteller and he uh, I yeah and, and he's, he's he's very much influenced by European films and European films do not waste time and do not dick around and do not um like leave uh, they answer questions, you know, and uh, 
I, I think that end scene really is is really cool because it immediately tells you, yes, yes, this is what happened. In fact, he is insane. In fact, you well, know? every film I've seen of his, except for the birds, has had that sum up. Yeah, it's kind of it's part of his style. Yeah, it's part of his thing. He and he, and he you know, in his uh, Hitchcock presents, he would always talk. You know, like it would be physically yeah. him talking, kind Good of talking. Good evening, to, that yes. whole thing. Yeah. Murder is back. Yeah, like weird. You know, he's awesome. I love that. I love that stuff. That's part of the Hitchcock uh, charm for me. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> All right. Now, what does Josh Allred have to say about Psycho? Here's my two cents on an Alfred Hitchcock classic. My apologies, it's a bit of a doozy, but you can gloss over stuff you've already mentioned. After the horrific events surrounding Ed Gein gripped the nation. Robert Block took them and gave us the character of Norman Bates. While the book is not remarkable, at least to me, what the Master of Suspense did with it has left a mark on cinema that persists to this day. Psycho is a testament to Hitchcock's abilities and reputation as a director. He took a pay cut to make it because the studio thought that horror was slumming it, but Hitch insisted. We should all be thankful for that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Slumming it. They still think that. Ugh. Nothing changes. Hitchcock loved messing with his audiences, and this film was no exception. In the media campaign for the film, the director himself was featured in ads that were ahead of the times in which he implored audiences to show up on time and not speak about the film after. Try getting that accomplished today. Not going to happen. True, but Drafthouse tried it with, with Infinity War and Endgame, the whole Thanos demands your silence thing. But Hitchcock did that first. I, I'll, I'll say, I, I saw Infinity War and Endgame late. Like five days late. And it... I didn't have one thing written for me, which I thought was pretty amazing. I was like, well done, America. We were going to band together for one thing. I'm glad it was that. <laughs> we, we can band together for that. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of other things I wish we could band together for, but, you know, it's all right. <laughs> what he does in this film flew in the face of convention. Before this, you never saw a bathroom in a film or a woman undressing on screen. And he did that because he was in control of almost every aspect of production. A luxury then and an anomaly now. He killed off the protagonist within the first ten minutes and used Janet Lee's star power to hook the audience so that when you see her face hit the bathroom floor, you're shocked. Psycho is known as a brutal horror film, but the blood we see is really chocolate syrup, something George Romero used in Night of the Living Dead, and all the gruesome stuff is implied. Also, Bernard Herrmann's score is classic and was even borrowed by Richard Band for Reanimator. It's also borrowed for Carrie. Took me a couple views to figure it out, but it's there. That violin screech has permeated cinema and shows up everywhere. Garth stabbing a donut in Wayne's World comes to mind. It's part of our collective unconscious. <laughs> Party on, Wayne. <laughs> just think about that for a second. What modern film has done anything like this? It's all so disposable. We just consume and go on to the next. That's sad, but true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you think I forgot, I have to talk about the shower scene. It was something that I had to study in film school because of its simplicity and effectiveness. Hitchcock was a student of film and knew about the Kulshav effect, which states that we derive more meaning from the juxtaposition of images than we do a single picture. And we do, all the time. It also works in parallel sequences on a larger scale, showing two characters and knowing that, at some point, they're going to come together. He was always subverting expectations and was happy to pull the rug out from under you. Those 78 setups and 52 cuts pass in 45 seconds and has become one of the most iconic scenes in horror and cinema overall. If you haven't seen it, the documentary 7852 has various film folks waxing lyrical about this sequence and its legacy. Check it out. Hell yeah. And that's where I'll end my rant. This is a classic that has earned its place in history and a testament to Alfred Hitchcock as a true artist in the film industry. 
He understood the medium in the most minute details and exploited them to his gain and made art out of one of the most terrifying moments in American history. Ten out of fucking ten. Fucking well said. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Good shit. Good shit. That's... Fantastic. I'm glad we got everybody on this now. Yeah, that was good stuff there. <laughs> and that's all for Psycho. Like I said, I give it a nine out of ten. Such a classic. I mean, three nines and a ten. Still holds up. Come on now. Yeah. This film will always hold up. Classic. Now. Let's take a look, a look at what happened this week in film, and holy shit, was it a lot. Oh, in just one week, more than we've ever had, so brace yourselves. <laughs> First up, let's discuss the one thing that every other movie podcast and website is talking about. Disney <clears throat> lost Spider-Man to Sony. Well, fuck them both, but mainly fuck Sony. <laughs> if you don't know what happened, Disney tried to haggle for a better deal for Spider-Man in the MCU, but Sony wouldn't have it, and instead of a counteroffer, Sony walked away with the rights to Spider-Man, which they've owned since the late 90s. Marvel's been renting them for about five, about four... Four years? Three? Three years now, since 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Civil War. And, uh, yeah. Sony's been getting about 90% of the profits from these movies. And Disney said, we want at least a 50-50 split. Sony politely said, fuck you, and walked away. Now, in Sony's defense, Disney does not need the money. <laughs> but that. in Disney's defense, Sony isn't doing shit <laughs> on their for like for their part in this. All they're doing is loaning out the character. Yeah. And Marvel wanted to bring Venom into this whole thing. Like they wanted they want their baby back. <laughs> and Sony is holding that over them. And it's infuriating to fans because now oh, we gotta exactly. say goodbye that's to the, Tom Holland Spider Man. That's the key word: is fans. It's like, yeah. how, uh, did you guys forget, forget about us? We're the ones who pay fifteen bucks each to go see all your movies, fucking three times a year. So please don't take away one of the key. You said last night. Tell them about the cake. Tell them about the cake. <laughs> the cake. Okay. So <laughs> let's see if I can remember all this. The MCU. Yeah, is the MCU a beautiful is, cake. <laughs> is this beautiful cake? And you've been eating it for. 10 years now and it's delicious you love it every year it just keeps getting better comfortably you keep going back to it yeah and they add this incredible ingredient into the cake where it's tasted better than it's ever tasted before and then one day forces out of your control say you can't have that ingredient anymore that belongs to this other bakery <laughs> and you're like but that cake was so damn good it was good, so though. delicious yeah. I don't even want to eat this anymore without that ingredient Spider-Man's my guy in the Marvel Batman's my favorite but in, as far as Marvel goes Spider-Man's my dude and I have plenty of friends including my girlfriend we both, we're obsessed with him that's our guy Like, he, if we could choose one superhero he's the one we really love and I feel like a lot of people feel this way and that's it's not. It's just not fucking fair. And they're cl- they clearly don't care about us. They Clear- don't. Clearly, that's both sides. Wh- I'm just offended. Like, and we all should be. We should all. And I, you know, you see the outrage on social media and stuff. Of people oh, like, yeah. no, we're not letting this happen. And I really don't think it is. There's no way. Like, ah, there's already... they just they just accomplished the biggest feat in film history with yeah. what they do with the MCU. And Tom Holland was literally like icing on the cake. He's literally like, hey, we're gonna continue with this guy though. Like, don't yeah. worry, he's gonna keep coming. He'll be back. And he had two, you know, he's had two great movies where he carried it, and he's really fucking good at playing Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Yeah. And that might be gone. Uh, fuck. <laughs> fuck well, all. <laughs> on, the, on the plus side, since this announcement, Stony, uh, not Stony, Sony's points, uh, their stock points have taken a dip. Yeah. And people are starting to uh, do boycott hashtags. Yeah. yeah. So there's a good chance Sony might come back to the table for this. And I hope so, because this 
this should not belong to them. This is Marvel's character. They made this character. They're the reason it's popular. They implemented him on the go. It's the most impressive thing I think they did. They implemented Spider-Man on the fucking go. Like, and they did it really well. <laughs> like, I and you know, Connor knows I'm not even a huge Marvel fan, but I'm I I love what they do with that character. And now I'm just like, oh wow, yeah, it's upsetting. great, unnecessary drama, unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, like help us out. You know, <laughs> help us out. Yeah. I honestly would not be surprised if Disney just said fuck it and bought Sony. Yeah, yeah, do <laughs> go for it. You guys buy everything in here, you know. Go for it. Just do that anyway. They bought know. Fox, got the X Men back. Yep. And honestly, just you know, buy Sony, take. And Spider-Man. maybe Sony knows that. Maybe yeah. Sony's like, we know you guys are gonna fucking do whatever it takes to keep this thing rolling. You so. do not fuck with the House of Mouse. <sighs> oh no, they fuck you. <laughs> That's how Disney works. <laughs> yes, they will scoop you up in no time. Don't ask worry. Fox, ask Star Wars, Hulu. ask Marvel, <laughs> ask Pixar, Hulu. They own everything. ESPN. <laughs> you really think they're sweating bullets over, over Sony? Sony? <laughs> uh, who hasn't done shit yet? Oh, right. boy. And what sucks is Connor and I are two of the only people I know that will stick our necks out for fucking Venom, the movie. Yes. <laughs> A lot of people thought it was shit. We actually both kind of liked it. So, but that's owed to Ruben Fleischer <sighs> and Tom Hardy, not anybody at fucking Sony. <laughs> oh man, yeah, heated. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, both of us were very upset when we heard the way this I news. see it. This is some low, like you know, this is some low level coke dealer taking up arms against Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, really? you can do it, but do you really think this is going to work out for you? Yeah, it's just going to be like an extra step for us. Okay, yeah. whatever. So, interested to see how this unfolds. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck, Sony. Uh-huh. <laughs> Goddamn. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable stuff. Next up, the new James Bond film will be titled No Time to Die. And it's set for release on April 8th, 2020. So excited. Huge Bond fan. Of course. Can't wait. Christoph Waltz is returning to play Blofeld. Uh, Rami Malek is going to be a secondary villain. Daniel Craig, it'll be his final film. Exactly. Ray Fiennes, Ben Whishaw, (sighs) Naomi Harris, all returning. Leia Sadu. Like, it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. Very high hopes. Oh, for sure. Uh, Michael Rooker has joined the cast of Fast and Furious 9. Sorry. I don't... Yeah, I (laughs) don't... That's, he can do I, better. They're only on the ninth. I would have sworn it was 11 by now. Technically, it's 10 if you count Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, okay. But Vin okay. Diesel fucking I was does say, not. I thought they would be in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So no, no Dwayne Johnson, no Jason Statham. So I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna pass on Fast Nine. I'm yeah. I'm I'm okay. I've only seen a couple of those all the way through. So. <laughs> if you've seen one, you've seen all of them. <laughs> well, one of them that I've seen is Tokyo Drift, and I know that's like the, oh, like never mind black sheep of the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen that one in the first one. The very okay. first one, yeah. The one where they're stealing fucking VCRs. Like, what? <laughs> Point break with cars. <laughs> so ridiculous. Tracy Morgan has joined Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America. Now that sounds confusing. It's because it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, but it could fail. Yeah, it's going to be... But I, I'm looking way more forward to the Eddie Murphy's Dolomite movie. Oh, agreed, agreed. And this I, is this know. is more hit or miss to me. Than, yeah. I, th- I think Dolomite's going to be good. going to be entertaining. Eddie Murphy's going to host SNL for the first time in like Dude. 20 years. Of course, and I'll, I'll tune in for the first time in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, the Wachowski sisters have begun work on a fourth Matrix film with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss both set to return as Neo and Trinity, respectively. 
No word yet on Lawrence Fishburne, but I think it's safe to say Morpheus will be back. Fuck yeah, at least for a few, few yeah. moments, yeah. And frankly, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want a fourth Matrix. N- neither do I. I. I'm cool with just the one by <laughs> itself, honestly. So Keanu's doing fine with John Wick. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't need this. Yeah, you already had that face. Lukowski's yeah. desperately need this. But it's going to undermine... Like The one thing I liked about Re- The Matrix Revolutions was Neo's sacrifice. Yeah. Without that... You know, if you do a fourth movie, all that is gone. Kind of gone to shit. It's undermined. So, I'm wondering how they're going to do this. I don't know. And, uh, yeah. Good luck. I'm bitching, but I'm going to see it. We all know that. <laughs> You guys have my money. I'm Hollywood's bitch. I'll admit that. <laughs> Same. I mean, yeah, we all... All of us as a whole. <laughs> uh, Richard Williams has died at age 86 of natural causes. He was the animation genius behind the Pink Panther and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. What a distinct style. Distinct, yeah, yeah worker, creator. Roger Rabbit, one of my all-time favorite Crazy. movies. It's oh, such yeah. a fun film. If you haven't seen that, go watch it right now. Uh, yeah, it's a blast. It's you, wonderful. You won't be disappointed. Oh, God. Uh, rest in peace, Richard Williams. Another Stephen King story has been greenlit. The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. I haven't read this one, so I don't know what to tell you, but... It's another Stephen King's prequel. So that's awesome. Yeah, add it to the list. <laughs> I'll read it. It's a short novel. Yeah. I don't think it's a horror. I think it's more of a drama, like a supernatural drama. Next up, this was cool. Vince Gilligan and Netflix have dropped a teaser for El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, set to drop on Netflix on October 12th this year. Oh, what the God. hell, dude? What kind of a time do we live in? All we know for sure is that Aaron Paul is returning to play Jesse Pinkman, Shortly after the finale of Breaking Bad, but be prepared for a shit ton of familiar faces. Yeah, we know Pete, of course, because yes, he's, he's in the trailer. This uh, is going to be insane. It's going to be fun. It's going to be satisfying. All the right people are involved, and it's coming out in like a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm so glad all these people are involved because initially, because I think Breaking Bad. I've, I've watched a lot of TV shows. So I've seen not not enough, you know, for to have a serious, serious opinion, but. I think Breaking Bad has the best ending of any TV series I've ever watched. Hmm. And part of that is that Jesse's driveway scene is unbelievable. And it's, uh, to this day, still something that I... An episode I love to rewatch, mainly because of Jesse's... When he's getting away and laughing and crying. And he's free for the first time the entire series. Felina. Uh, and now we get to see his face again. Of course, I'm going to watch it right when it comes out. Yes. I'm going to be wicked excited to see him on the screen again. Well, but I don't know if we need it. I Well, know? it's true that Jesse is free. He was never a victim of this. No, he, he needs, was complacent he needs from to get the hits. beginning. Yeah. And he's not innocent. I think people need to be reminded of that. He was a meth dealer who killed a couple people. For years. For very, yeah, before he met Walt, he was yeah. in this business. Yeah. So, Rebbing the ABQ, biatch. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it at the tone. <laughs> We're both huge fans of Breaking Bad. Massive. But, yeah, uh, massive. I'm very interested to see how Jesse comes out of this if he comes out of this i'm i'm curious because i think aaron paul's career has been a travesty since breaking bad ending yeah i'm yeah, curious to see if this jolts it back forward we'll see i bet it will we'll see i mean if anything you know every breaking bad fan in the world is going to be breaking netflix oh my god yeah that day <laughs> netflix's numbers are going to be through the roof that day October 12th. We'll be together watching it. We can't wait. We'll expect we'll a bonus. Fuck yeah, of yeah, course. Absolutely. And absolutely. expect a long one because we're going to talk about breaking bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tune in. Can't wait. Next up, Anthony Michael Hall has been cast as Tommy Doyle in Halloween Kills. Hell yeah. Set for release on October 16th, 2020. Very cool. Tommy Doyle's the kid that Lori was babysitting in first Halloween, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Fantastic. That's so cool. I wonder where they're going to go with this. Oh, They've goodness. already started filming it. I'm fucking in. Jamie man. Lee Curtis, man. David Gordon Green, and John Carpenter I'm, all back. I'm in. This is going to be unbelievable. We're going to have a full, great Halloween trilogy. Yeah, so so exciting. Oh, man. <laughs> now, for all the Disney Plus announcements at the D23 Expo this week. Black Panther 2 has a confirmed release date of May 6th, 2022. <whistles> Long way off. <laughs> it is. Kit Harrington will be playing the Black Knight in the upcoming Marvel film Eternals. Harrington played Jon Snow on all eight seasons of Game of Thrones. So he's going to try to break out of that, which everybody's going to always remember him as Jon Snow, yeah, by can... being a Marvel character, which now he'll be remembered as by everybody. <laughs> it's funny because Richard Madden, who played Rob Stark on Game of Thrones, is doing the same yes, thing yeah, with yeah, that yeah. movie. Yeah. He's oh, also going to be in Eternals. Crazy. Nice reunion there. The trailer for the upcoming Star Wars series The Mandalorian was dropped. Looks badass, I hell think. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Very strange cast. Uh, Pedro Pascal, Giancarlo Esposito, Werner Herzog. <laughs> like, what? I'm, I'm in on that, man. Nick Nolte. Like, this is going to be nuts. And they have confirmed Ewan McGregor's return to the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi for an upcoming series. No longer a rumor, he is in. Oh my gosh, that's so, good. so exciting. In addition, Marvel has announced three more series to be launched on Disney Plus in the next year. Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight. Hell yeah. Very out there concepts. Miss Marvel's going to be their first Islamic superhero. She-Hulk is Hulk's cousin who gets uh, powers through a blood transfusion, yeah. which you'd think Bruce Banner, knowing who he is, would try to avoid that kind of thing. But I and we'll see how they do that, yeah. Moon Knight is a psycho... It's like schizophrenic Egyptian Batman, so that's going to be nuts. That's the one I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, of course. Very excited, uh, but but that that I am as excited as I could possibly be for a Star Wars content is because Ewan McGregor. Yes. Uh, so I'm getting basically a mini series with him. Hell yeah! Yeah, it's fantastic. So very excited. Got to see that in Fargo season three. I'm excited to see it again with a Star Wars character with a lot of money behind it. <laughs> Super cool. Very cool. And we'll finally get some follow up to that Darth Maul tease from Solo. Yes. That's not going anywhere, yes, dude. And what I like about the, the Marvel stuff is Feige has said that all of these characters will be appearing in Avengers films in the future. Yeah. It's all tied with the MCU. There's no exactly. separate universe like there was with Netflix. This is all connected. Yeah. So Unfortunately, that, that, all that Netflix stuff is now looked at kind of like... Ey. Yeah, I guess it's not canon anymore. What the fuck was all that? That's yeah. why uh, Marshall Ali can play Blade now. And yep. He was Cottonmouth on Luke Cage, but yes. nobody cares anymore because none of that's canon. I don't think anyone really did care anyway. No. Nah, it was... <laughs> How did they fuck that all up? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Luke Cage should have been amazing. I liked most of the first season. I thought Cottonmouth was amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Uh, some of Jessica Jones is really good. Um, Dude, Kilgrave. I'll never forget Kilgrave. Yeah, I just... I love D'Onofrio's Kingpin. Yeah. John Berthold's Punisher. Like, it, oh, there yeah. were pieces I loved of those shows. Yeah. But overall, it was too, it was too many episodes. Well, way too much to keep up too with. Too much filler. And you didn't know it was, like, the order and with... What it was in was like, what? This makes it didn't make they sense. They bet way too much on the hand, which ended up being such a disappointment. Yeah. Ugh. Frustrating stuff. I look back on that with such disdain now. But now we get our proper Yeah. Yeah. Proper and do here. Hopefully Marvel, once the Netflix time thing is up, they'll be able to reintroduce Daredevil, Punisher, the yes. Cage, all those guys. Yes. So here's hope. And whew, that's all for this week, listeners. It was Fun a long stuff. week for film. God damn. I said god damn. <laughs> Psycho is a classic, and it deserves all the praise. Hell yeah. Check it out if you haven't. Even though you know the twist, it's still worth watching. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. There's stuff in here that's just like, it It excels like one scene to the next because the intensity is just 
on the rise. And, you oh, know, and uh, so much fun. It's remarkable. Next week, travel with us to the small town of Derry, Maine, where kids are disappearing at the hands of an evil clown named Pennywise. That's right, listeners. Get ready to float with It, one of Stephen King's scariest stories and one of the best horror films of the decade. We'll talk about the 2017 film as well as the 1990 miniseries and some of the weirder aspects of the novel that didn't make it to the film. Readers know exactly which scene I'm talking about. Also, we can pretty much guarantee a bonus episode on It Chapter 2, set for release on Friday, September 6th. Until then, folks, steer clear of the Bates Motel. And remember, a boy's best friend is his mother.